0: hi
1: john how are you today hi elliot
0: uh i'm good i uh just got back from uh the acams chapter in the carolinas did their first all-day event since pre-pandemic um so got to see a lot of our aml community folks they had a couple hundred people there and um heard some discussions of the various challenges they looked at the new aml laws and some of the uh, issues with sanctions so it's really good to see not just the networking, but the exchange of information and sometimes best practices, but always what the challenges are. And that's always the value of our community when people get a chance to, you know, share thoughts, information, and, and try to improve together. So it's always good to be part of that.
1: Yes, I think, I mean, you and I have talked about this for many, many years, that that is one of the towering strengths of the financial crime prevention community, that, uh, meeting and sharing and learning from each other and you know taking the whole taking everything up a, a level together. So I think it uh, sounds like it was a good session. So I am assuming that you saw that the House uh, Committee on Financial Services is holding a hearing today, um, today Wednesday when we're recording uh, about. Uh, it's called uh, When Banks Leave the Impacts of De-Risking on the Caribbean and Strategies for Ensuring Financial Access Um, and I think you if I'm not mistaken you were got a chance to watch some of the uh, live feed of the hearing
0: today yeah what's interesting is um, uh, the you know it's September Congress was out for most if not all of uh, August and now it becomes a sprint, right? You got September, October, and then Election Day. And I sort of, you know, we thrived under this in our previous, previous lives working for banks and bank associations. And so it's always interesting to trying to put a lot together. But this this particular hearing, and I continued to be very impressed with Chairman uh, Waters' uh, committee and all the different issues that they cover. I mean, it's really very, very much, uh, across the financial services spectrum, but very much in detail today was a great example of that. Now the de-risking that they talked about today, as you said, is about the Caribbean, not about the issues that we've talked about before with a lot of our, uh, colleagues and that's NGOs, humanitarian groups, that sort of thing. Although in the staff memorandum, we are, uh, footnoted for one of the programs we did, but yeah, the, um, the hearing was looking at um, how how to address this, and there was a couple things that stuck out. I, I I didn't watch the whole thing. I did I did watch a good portion of it, but the um, uh, prime minister of Barbados testified. She was on her own panel separately from an, from the second panel, and uh, very very compelling testimony uh, for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that struck me was how candid she was uh, about what's going on. So a couple of things that she said that uh, struck me as both obviously correct, but very interesting. She looked at the treasury department at the United States and say, you know, the treasury does speak a lot about risk-based and being, um, you know, making sure that oversight uses that risk-based approach. So There's not one size fits all. And so she says, uh, that's an outcome uh, that uh, re- requires that countries that she's familiar with, like Senegal and South Sudan, and obviously countries in her region, um, they have to spend money that they say is pretty scarce, which I, I certainly believe, getting off of listings, different different listings, whether FATF listings or whatever. But they give a pass to Luxembourg and Switzerland. So she says... I think correctly, that that's pretty untenable. And then she goes on to say that um, Treasury needs, because of that, they need to look more closely at that principle of what she's calling risk sensitivity, but you know the risk-based approach. And um, that's part of why financial inclusion is harmed. So uh, she also made a comment that sort of made me laugh that she said, she, she called out Wyoming and Delaware places in our country, which we well know, we've talked about this, it's so easy to incorporate. Um, And then, you know, (laughs) focusing instead on correspondent banking uh, relationships in the Caribbean, which many institutions have exited because of a whole host of reasons. Anyway, so uh, that to me was one of the key takeaways. You get an elected official being very specific and Basically, pleading with the committee. I don't know that you can legislate some of this stuff, but you certainly can continue to have dialogues and roundtables and guidance, and I think that could be a pretty positive outcome. If it, it's some of it's already happening, but if it will continue to happen, you know.
1: Yes, uh, I noticed in the staff memorandum there were a number of things, of course, that the staff highlighted in in a uh, in setting the stage for today's hearing. One of which is is the whole issue that you just touched on, which is uh, correspondent banking. And uh, one of the many challenges in the correspondent banking space is that for the Caribbean is that many of the countries are small. And so they're the, the relative magnitude of the volume of services that uh get used for activity with, uh, you know, in those countries is modest, which generates limited fees. And the the question of do those fees actually offset the cost of the anti-money laundering and fina- other financial crime compliance that the correspondent banks have to go through. So that was, that. that's a, I think an important thing to, you know, not the by only by any means the only reason why, uh, cor, you know, correspondent banks are maybe exiting the space, but but it is uh, a piece of the puzzle.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But uh, no. also, before I forget, uh, one of the one of the witnesses was a previous uh, podcast uh, interview of ours, and that's Amit Sharma from Finclusive, uh, who has a various technology solutions to this area so his testimony is is definitely worth uh, uh, taking a look at but he does make the point that during the pandemic people that were excluded became more isolated and again it offers a whole series of, uh, of potential changes there including how to help our, uh, nonprofits and charitable organizations
1: yes the other thing I wanted to mention was the you know the idea again coming back to making correspondent banking a adequately profitable for organizations to stay in it even if you know if if that's their primary reason for exiting was the the idea of uh the caribbean nations you know who do in a to do act um, practically speaking as a single economic zone even though they haven't Mm. fully formalized it um uh, also trying to harmonize their, uh, anti money laundering financial crime compliance regimes so that again, it, you know, um, you're not having to deal with the subtle variations among the countries. And as you and I talked before we started recording, we do have a, a a model in the, in the world for that. And that is the EU. They come up at the, at the, uh, at the EU level, with their compliance process or regime. And then each of the member states has a some period, of, limited period of time to adopt it into their local laws. So you end up with, instead of 27 variations on a theme, you actually end up with 27 countries in the economic zone, all having the same process, which, again, not a perfect system. I'm sure there are sure there's people in the EU who would raise their hand and go, you know, it doesn't work nearly as smoothly as you just described. Okay, that may be true. I don't know that. But, um, but the point is, there are ways to to try on in all of the various uh, stakeholders here to get to some central um, place that works better. Um, I, I mean, it, it's easy to say, we want to have a financial system that excludes that that effectively excludes the bad guys and effectively offers inclusion to the people who aren't the bad guys um okay. getting there proves all the time to be more complicated and you and i have talked about risk-based systems i don't know 25 years john <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. and you know and and not you and i uh but you know the the all the players have still not been able to really get to a place where they where they really can articulate what that means and where the threshold is for too much risk, not enough risk. You know where where the where to draw the line. And so, um, one of the challenges is in in some economic areas if you have a couple of weaker players which I'm, I'm not naming any names because I
0: don't have any to name. But, you know, if you have weaker players,
1: they tend to sort of set the risk threshold for everybody. Right.
0: Uh, hey, a couple of quick, quick things uh, before we close down. Uh, they mentioned the committee in the staff memorandum in some conversations between the witnesses uh, and the members, a number of uh, legislative proposals one by the chairman by the chairwoman uh, Waters that that would. Uh, make sure the uh, INSCA report, the International Narcotics Control Strategy Report, um, include sort of as updates with their improvements in countries in terms of laws, regs, and that sort of thing. Another one deals with the um, training of examiners, which is a key issue we've talked about, called the AML Examiner's Academy Act, so it would be detailed training beyond what they have today. One member of Congress said there was a bill in. It's not in the staff memorandum on the on the minority side that said uh, they wanted banks and financial institutions that closed accounts to have to tell the customer why they did that. That's a non-starter for a variety of reasons. And so I'll leave that there for now. But the last thing I wanted to mention, the thing that was disappointing from watching this from my perspective. Is members on the minority side a number of them continued to talk about Operation Choke Point, which literally ended five years ago uh, as uh, something that they can, they considered to going after quote reputable unquote companies, uh, but as we remember, it's a little more nuanced than that. And it's clear to me from the discussion today that some of those members were instrumental in getting Fincen to put that statement out earlier this year on independent ATM operators, which the members claimed are uh, not engaged in criminal activity at all, which is a very interesting statement on a lot of levels.
1: Yes. Well, as we actually, you and I talked about that particular uh, release, and we observed at the time that uh, sometimes you get these releases coming out of regulatory agencies and you scratch your head about why this one, and you end up coming to, okay, somebody or some group made enough noise that the agency decided that the way to respond to the noise was to put something out. Um, as you just mentioned, this one, uh, what we suspected has been confirmed by
0: uh, by remarks by, uh, from one of the committee members. Yeah, let me just add uh, another colleague of mine, Leah Chetret, who is uh, uh, somebody I've known for a number of years and done some really good work in this space. In her testimony, she talks a lot about digital assets, but I think her broader statement at the end of her testimony was this, um, you know, moving into the digitized economy gives banks the opportunity to innovate, manage and mitigate risks effectively. So then she says just generally tech innovations serve as an enabler to every stakeholder that are involved in de-risking, de-risking conundrum. So a uh, strong statement there. A lot of discussion about uh, crypto and some of the testimony. A lot of discussion about the regional issues you mentioned. I would urge everybody to look at the staff memorandum as well as the individual uh, uh, statements from the witnesses.
1: Yes, I, I agree with that. And um, so, John, anything uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks that you want to talk about?
0: Well, we've, we've posted a number of inter- interviews uh, that are on our website, so I would urge people to take, take a look at that. We've re- restarted our interviews of the Women in AML series. One has uh, actually got posted today. I'm interviewing somebody else later this afternoon, which will, which will go up in a week or so. So we're doing that. I would just say to our folks out there, if you have somebody in the industry, in the community that you'd like us to potentially interview, we'd love to reach out. If it's yourself or somebody you work with, uh, you can send a note to myself or Elliot, and we'd love to uh, follow up on that for you.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Okay, John, so you have a good rest of the week, and uh, I will talk to you next week.
0: Take care, Elliot. Stay safe.
1: Yep, you too. Bye-bye.